Awesome. All right, welcome and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Jane Irrigation Training Series. I'm Richard Rastusha, Vice President of Water Management Solutions for Jane. And today we're gonna to be talking about getting your irrigation system ready for summer. And I love this because uh, it takes me a little motivation to get going on this, right? Because yeah, I definitely have extra time right now that I don't have in the summer when, uh, when we're really out in the field looking at irrigation, uh, fixing irrigation, making recommendations on irrigation, and now is the time to maintain, but sometimes I don't always do it, right? And boy, those are the years that I really have some problems because uh, waiting is never a good idea. I'm learning that a lot. If you could, at the time, take care of it today, take care of it now, it's going to pay off so much more in the future. So it's one thing to say, make your irrigation system summer ready, but the more important thing is how do you actually do that? Well, teaching us today how to do that is uh, Corey Broad. He's a territory sales manager and a product manager for Jane Irrigation. He's also a certified crop advisor. He's a certified irrigation uh, um, designer. Uh, he was also the Madera County Agriculturist of the Year uh, a couple of years ago. And I've known Corey a while now. And one thing Man, if I was farming in the Central Valley, he'd be my first call, uh, not just today, but throughout every week, because uh, he is a wealth of knowledge. And it's one thing to have the knowledge. Uh, the other thing is to actually uh, want to share it. And that's the thing that I most admire about Corey is he really does want to share his knowledge and uh, he wants to make you successful. So that's why I always like having Corey on. So Corey, welcome. Uh, how are you today? I'm great, Richard. I appreciate the kind words in the introduction. And uh something that, that I'm looking forward to talking about and uh, hopefully getting folks to implement sooner rather than later uh, for yeah. your introduction because it, it will make your life easier and I guarantee you it will make mine probably on a, on a hot July day a little bit easier also. Yeah, exactly. And uh, right for some reason, right, when I'm, uh, I'm standing in Southern California on a 65 degree day, I forget what heat is like. And uh, <laughs> Boy, it sure makes it harder to do stuff when it's over 100 degrees. So, uh, but Corey, look, I was at, uh, I saw you at World Ag a couple of weeks ago. Uh, great crowd there. I know you talked to a lot of people at World Ag, but it was in the 70s in Tulare that day. Uh, Southern California was tipping up in the 80s. Um, how's the sea? Is the season started? I mean, what, what's going on here? Yeah, it's been a, been a hectic couple of weeks uh, with the weather shift. Obviously, with the almond crop starting to come online, and I, and I say that because we're, we are getting into bloom time and obviously weather dependent, uh, usually a week before or a week later kind of scenario. And so it's pretty much in full bloom right now. Uh, next week, we'll be kind of in the middle of it, depending on what variety you have and exactly where you're located in the state because it's based on heat units. But yeah, it's it's going. Uh, part of this presentation is to, as you said, motivate somebody to to think about where we are. Uh, the season is here, and and it's really upon us. And so, the best thing we can do is is get ahead of this uh, well before we need it. I know that most almond growers that I work with, from a water management perspective, we've already applied irrigation. Uh, many of uh, other customers that I just kind of visually uh, watch and, and pass by, they're they're also running water. And we're not quite there in most of our vineyards yet, or even uh, some of our pistachio crops, but you give them, uh, you know, this continual heat units and all of a sudden uh, we may be a little bit early on those crops as well. 
Yeah, wow. Yeah, one thing I noticed driving up was uh, I couldn't believe the amount of beehives that were being uh, trailered up. And uh, I saw, so two weeks ago, I already saw a, a bit of bloom happening. Uh, it was just starting on uh, qu quite a few trees. So uh, pretty. I was like, wow, this is uh, getting started early. Absolutely. Well, I got a picture I took yesterday uh, in my, my slide deck here of, of some almond blooms uh, around the corner from the house. And so it's uh, not uncommon right now to see a lot of folks stopped on the side of the road taking family pictures uh, right. in, in orchards that aren't theirs. <laughs> so it's uh, kind of a pastime yeah. in the valley, but a, a signaling of the change of the, the season and the new year. Yeah, I guess they just don't understand how nervous that makes some people when uh, when that's happening. But um, Absolutely. anyway, well, let's get to your presentation. Absolutely. So I appreciate the opportunity. So uh, on the on topic, there's uh, there's our photo of some blooms I took yesterday just around the corner from my house. And uh, as I said, these these blooms on the almond trees kind of signal a new season ahead. And we know about the opportunities and then also the challenges that uh, ag is uh, in particular going to face this year. It's probably going to be pretty short on water supplies uh, across the state. Uh, I know that that's going to be very real for, for many of the growers that I work with. And again, it, it will be challenging, but there are some opportunities to, to maybe invest and, and help manage that water in a different way. And uh, those challenges exist for the irrigation systems that are going to have to run probably more, as we just kind of referred to, they're starting earlier. And they may have to pump longer and, and uh, a longer duration throughout the season. And so it puts wear on those components. And then, like I said, that environment that we're operating in is very unpredictable. Um, we have those increased temperatures you referred to. I just talked about limited water supplies. So I felt that it's really pertinent to look at maybe seven quick tips. I originally had thought about um, just throwing seven uh, tips up on there saying, hey, go do these because uh, this presentation is really short and I just gave you the time to go get it done. Um, but uh, going through it, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't dive into some of them in a little more detail. Yeah. Right, I just want to interrupt your presentation for one moment. And, you know, you, I see here, you know, it was a wet December. And, uh, man, we went from uh, no snow to uh, great snow in December up in, in the mountains. But uh, I don't, I, how was January and February? Uh, some of the driest on record. And it's really kind of uh, stalled out the momentum that, that we had from that water storage perspective. Uh, obviously, California is a little complex from the ag side on water with uh, state water and federal water. I know that uh, the latest update that I've seen is the state water projects. The contractors for ag are going to get about 15% of uh, their you know, full allocation. So certainly not enough to, to grow uh, pretty much any of the commodities that we grow here. And I know that most of the federal water, they haven't really done the full allocation yet, but it's, it's looking pretty grim at this point. Yeah, so uh, I always, when I hear that number, I always like, did I hear that right? This is 15%, not 15% from 100, but just 15%. Yeah, it, it's basically, um, there's, there's a number of different contractual allegations that, that people are allowed, uh, different districts allocate on an acreage basis, uh, which is probably some of the most common. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're basically saying you're, you're paying 100% and you're getting 15% of what you would expect. Yeah, that's rough. That is really rough. Certainly so. so. Yeah. So you better have your irrigation system uh, in, in not ready because you, you're not going to be able to waste the drop. Not at all. Not, not in a year like this. And, and coming off of a year like last year where we're kind of similar results uh, with, with, with a water allocation perspective. 
So uh, with that, water budgeting would be key, right, Richard? I think uh, if we don't know how much we're using or how much we're going to need, it's going to be really hard to, to plan on taking that road trip, as I call it. Uh, every season's a road trip. So uh, obviously, you want to prepare your system and have a goal in mind on how many hours you're going to pump. Uh, you know, if you can sit there and say, I, I plan on getting 15% from a district, how much am I going to have to pump in total? How many hours am I going to have to run my irrigation system for? It can help you determine how much financial and time investment you need to do for the upcoming season. Maybe if you realize that you're in a, a good water area and you don't have to pump a lot, Maybe the tips that I'm going to give today can, can go on the back burner a tad bit, but I think the reality is for most of the state, as you can see on the graphic on the left-hand side, uh, it, it's probably not going to be the case. Uh, that's actually a live map that you can pull from uh, the California uh, Water Resources Board, and it's just reservoir levels across the state. And so it's not really meant for, for everybody to be able to see and, and necessarily go through, but I think you can uh, see the gist of you have a blue bar and you have a yellow bar, and most of those are half or less full. And, and that uh, is certainly going to impact us. And so uh, understanding what crops you're going to be irrigating is important too, because some growers are going to fallow, especially in the western part of Fresno County. Uh, they will save the water, quote unquote, for pistachios and for almonds and for grapes, because uh, it's really hard to just stop irrigating those and expect them to come back next year. Uh, whereas if you have something maybe like a processing tomato, onion, garlic, so on and so forth, maybe you forego planting that and which is which is sad, but we got to have understand the, what that crop mix is going to be and, and what that water use is for each of those crops. And obviously, for for that digital tools like our GeneLogic program uh, with the monitoring side, we can get actual crop uh, evapotranspiration, actual crop water use. And we have that both uh, basically on a weekly basis, but also from a historical uh, perspective, where uh, by year uh, for the last five years we can provide. Uh, through our suite of tools, information, and our, our partner AgroLogics with a map to show you, Richard, here's your farm, and by block, here's how much water you're using on each of these crops. And that way you could sit down and say, well, uh, my average fuel economy is 22 miles to the gallon, and I'm going on this long of a road trip. Okay, we're going to need to fill up this many times. Uh, kind of the, the same concept when approaching irrigation. Yes, yeah, so this is um, a light bulb moment right here, Corey, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, you mentioned this for growers. I'm thinking even if I'm a landscaper managing uh, 10 acres of HOA turf, or if I'm a homeowner sitting in LA with a quarter acre of turf, I can still go in this time of year and I can start to figure out how much water my landscape's going to need this summer if it's an average summer. I can budget for it. Instead of making it a surprise when I get my bill two months after I've used it, I can sit down and figure out this is what water is going to cost me this summer. And you can start even budgeting from that standpoint. I think that's a great concept. Um, and uh, I think it's um, um, majority of people in urban settings are not even thinking about it, far less doing it. Absolutely. But, but again, it's, it's part of that opportunity. And, and I think that's very exciting. And, and we're learning more. Everybody's learning more about what water use goes to. How much does a lawn take? How much does an almond tree take? And yeah. where, where can we budget and make that, make that all come together? And I think that's uh, the most exciting part about what we're doing. And so these are just, again, some snapshots. Uh, every slide, I, I kind of want to do a segment right behind it of just showing you some visualizations to where if you're a farmer, you can see uh, the changes in the graphs and, and very easily quantify that. 
um, and then also give a visual or spatial uh, recognition on the right-hand side, which is kind of the green, red, and yellow. Uh, these are from a hyper-analyzed report from our partner at AgriLogics that we can provide to growers on a per acre basis or per field basis so that they can see uh, where the water is going, how much they're going to need, and then also what, what impact is that having on the crop. And I think that information is invaluable in this uh, kind of environment that we're operating in. Before I just want to ask you one thing about that satellite image. Yes. Um, why is there all that red on there? <laughs> it's probably just a, a, a dirt road maybe on the side of it. It's, it's picking up uh, some, some field boundary edges. And when you, when you think about drawing these boundaries, you're drawing a, a two-dimensional image on a spherical surf, uh, surface, right, being the earth and, and a number of things. So um, it's probably just an, a dirt avenue. So I, I think we're going to be okay. And, uh, but, if, but if that was in the middle of this image, I, I think we'd also be a little bit worried. Okay, I'm feeling a little dust on myself right now. But, yep, uh, we're good. Only my truck <laughs> kicking it up when I'm driving around. Exactly. Um, so we talk about budgeting and trying to create this idea of what we're going to do. And then I'm also hoping to entice everybody here today to go and participate in fixing their irrigation system or getting it up and running. But it's going to be really hard to change the oil in your car if you don't have an oil filter and any oil to do it. <laughs> so um, obviously, there's a lot of components in our irrigation systems. And many of these systems that are put out by the dealers are, uh, have components that come from various manufacturers. I think one of the unique things about Jane and that I've always enjoyed about both being a customer for Jane traditionally and then also working for Jane over almost the last seven years is we're a single manufacturer that has everything except pipes and pumps. So we have the opportunity to uh, bring all of that to a, a grower, a dealer and say, hey, work with us, partner with us, maximize that value, understand uh, these in inventory positions a little bit better. And again, some of the key items that I you know, encourage people to focus on is if you have a double line drip, maybe in an orchard or even single line drip in like a vineyard application, have that emitter line, uh, Amnon or top drip, have your blank tubing ready. And then if you're just using blank tubing to run sprinklers or drippers, you probably want some of those laying around and most farms and ranches do, but couplers, swivel tees, flush valves, all the little fittings, right? They kind of uh, put all this together I know that we're moving a lot of couplers right now, Richard, just kind of given the, the, the change of the season and people firing up and there's leftover damage from last year, there's wildlife damage. Uh, so having a lot of that on hand is, is gonna be key. Uh, air vents, uh, picture on the left-hand side, uh, they get hit with tractors a lot. <laughs> uh, it seems to be people trip over them. There's a, a number of things that go on. So, so having air vents and having the right air vents, right? These are, are two different air vents that have two different functions despite them both being two inches. Uh, so, so having the right one is good. And then filter components, uh, solenoids and wires and uh, maybe some extra media if you have sand media or an extra filter screen. Um, we'll go into that a little bit more uh, coming up. Hey, Corey, I have a question. Um, are uh, all manufacturers half-inch tubing the same size? Not at all. It's very, very important. Uh, I know we, I feel like we do a great job in our catalog and a lot of our technical brochures that list what we have, I'll say commercially available or, or more commonly available, but we can do custom runs also. Uh, but understanding the inside diameter and the outside diameter is going to be key because it may fit on a certain type of fitting, whether it's compression, uh, just an insert barb fitting or something like our power lock where it kind of has the best of both worlds. Uh, understanding what is going to work with those types of fittings is key. And yes, manufacturer to manufacturer, um, you, need to be, you need to be careful on, on what that's gonna be. 
Yeah, so I heard that the uh, Jane Powerlock fittings, though, fit multiple manufacturers' tubing. Is that correct? And that's uh, why I mentioned kind of the best of both worlds, because you get that insert barb action that goes inside the tubing and really holds onto the inside diameter. But then we have what we call a locking nut mechanism that goes over the top, and that kind of treats it just like a compression fitting. And so, again, you kind of get the best of both worlds where, you know, I see it in these big ag settings. You talked about this 540 acres. I mean, if you have a, a something pop off or break out there, you're probably not going to find it for a long time and it's going to make a bit of a mess. And so uh, growers really depend on the functionality and the fit of those uh, fittings that we sell being power lock line. And it really seems to go a long ways. Yeah, I'm certainly going to have some of those in the truck, right? As uh, Eric Olson always likes to remind me, Richard, we're not always 10 minutes from a Home Depot. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, there it, it's the right fit. I think I, I have just about every type of fitting we have in our factory in my toolbox. So uh, it's, it's, you always have to have them. And so again, just talking about some of those things. I mean, here's a, here's a picture of some stuff that, that was actually in my garage on the right-hand side uh, that are you know, just prepped for the season where there's emergency calls and, and different things, all kinds of different couplers and tees. Uh, there's a picture of a swivel tee on the left-hand side. And it's actually the, the screen that's inside of it is plugged up with some debris, probably leftover fertilizer or something uh, from, from late last season. And so maybe the fitting itself isn't broken, but actually inspecting it and understanding what's going on with it is going to be key. And some growers don't even know that they have screens in them. Um, not every single swivel tee does, but I'd just be remiss if I didn't bring up, uh, make, make sure you know if you have those screens or not, because if they are plugged, that could short you on water. It's technically a, a damaged item, even though it's cleanable, and you may not even know it. How hard are those to clean, Corey? It's just time. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not too bad. A lot of the times what I do in a, a double line drip application is, is I take the, the, the side off that's dirty and if the other side's pretty clean, you just run water backwards the other way and, and it'll blow it out. Um, I've also seen growers that, that go through and uh, take, take them out, have the, the field, crew, field crew go through, take them out, maybe uh, leave them in a bucket of, of soap for a little bit and then uh, rinse them out and, and throw them back in. So it's, it's a, it's a uh, time consuming process, but it's one that, that's certainly worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, good, thank you. Yes, sir. So we talked about getting all these parts together. Now let's actually start using some of these parts that I, I hopefully got everybody to go out and go get and get prepped for. And obviously the filter station is a top priority uh, in our system. It's uh, you think about our large scale ag that I was just referring to. These pumping plants are expensive. Uh, they move uh, or filter a ton of water and they service a very, very large area of probably very, very valuable crops. So if there's an issue with them, you could be putting your whole field and our system at risk. And so I always start by in, uh, inspecting the filter elements. So if you have a screen filter, like a spin clean, check the screen, make sure it's not damaged, make sure it's not worn. Um, word to the wise, spin clean uh, screens are great. They're a three piece uh, centered uh, technology and the way that they're manufactured, they're very strong. But if they get overpressurized or they get excessive amounts of debris, they can basically become sandblasted and weak. And I've seen that happen and they don't fail when your system isn't running. They only fail when you need water. And it's probably again, July 29th. <laughs> so um, I always see that, that kind of scenario come up. So have an extra screen on hand is great. Inspecting it ahead of time is even better. Uh, sand media tanks, check your sand media levels. 
uh, make sure that your media is in good condition. It's not super round. You want those edges. I've talked about that in some of my other presentations. Uh, check all your connections. Look for um, around your gaskets and different things. Make sure you don't have any cracks or leaks or wearing of, of items. Inspect your chemigation tanks, the lines that connect them, the valves that turn them off and on, so on and so forth. That's obviously a safety uh, issue. It's also something that you know can impact the, the health of your crop if a valve sticks open or sticks closed. Uh, that, that can have a negative effect. And then one thing that I, I deal with quite a bit, and it's super simple, uh, replace your gauges uh, on your system, especially if uh, they're facing the sun, they tend to get worn, become inaccurate, uh, even unreadable. So uh, having you know an insight into a, a good working gauge is going to be key to continue and make sure your system's running well. Uh, solenoids on the backwash valves, uh, wires, probably most people won't have an extra controller laying around, but um, at least the wiring and some of the solenoids, I think, is realistic, but also knowing what controller you have so that if something does happen, you can easily contact your dealer and, and go get a replacement without having to spend a lot of time figuring out what it actually is. The great and, suggestions, Corey. I, I have to, uh, a comment, right? Once the Murphy's Law, right? You're packed up, ready to go to Pismo, and uh, you're, you're going to have that problem, right? That's, uh, that's going to cause it. And then when you say check, do you mean just a visual check? You mean unscrew stuff? What do you, what do you mean by check? So like for instance, so I, I have some pictures here and, and you can see that this is something that's a, it's a physical action. The system isn't even running where uh, the, on the left-hand side, just pop open the caps to the sand media tanks and take a look inside. And you can see these are two different tanks and there are two very different things going on here. And there was actually a third tank in, in this photo stream that looks even different than these ones. So uh, understanding your media levels, immediate condition of your media, so on and so forth. If we wouldn't have serviced these tanks, then one would be running low, one would actually be filling with debris, so on and so forth. Uh, so that, that's, that's something that, that's a physical um, necessity. From checking to make sure a pressure gauge works, obviously it has to be under pressure and running. So uh, th there's some of those things that are gonna take just a visual look but also uh, you running your system. And that's actually gonna be one of my bullet points coming up, which is um, it's great to look at your car, but probably turn it on and read the gauges to make sure it's running good again before this long road trip. And uh, I would like to point out that the uh, picture on the right-hand side was uh, 9.30 Sunday night. <laughs> Somebody turned on their system and uh, this is what they got. And so uh, obviously it doesn't really matter what type of filter you have, if you have that coming out of your well, you have an issue. But the good thing was, is they were doing this slightly ahead of time for uh, what their crop needed from an irrigation standpoint. And so they're actually working with the well company to get this resolved right now. So getting into these pressure and flow checks, uh, some of the simple tools that you would need to go do it in the field are on the left-hand side. I keep a little kit like this in my truck and it's like a homegrown distribution uniformity test. It's pretty straightforward. As I just said, the irrigation system should be operated before. Notice I put this one, Richard, in bold and in caps. Irrigation is necessary. I'd be great to, to, to know that we're up and running and, and everything is good well ahead of time. And during this test run, as I refer to it, create a pressure map in your field, uh, some flow maps if you're willing to take the measurements. And with that, really consider doing a DU or a modified DU test across your irrigation system. That's just taking something like 36 flow and pressure measurements. It sounds like a lot, but it's really not too bad, especially if you have a little bit of help, you divide and conquer. 
And it can go be a, a two or three minute check of a, of a dripper flow rate in, in a certain area. And you want to kind of capture variability from like a low pressure, a medium and a high pressure area of your field. So obviously closer to the pump is more likely to be higher pressure. Uh, but if you went and you said, wow, Corey, this is actually a low pressure area. Well, maybe there's a damaged valve or there's plugging going on inside the, the piping system or something. It just, it gives you an idea to go, wow, this was supposed to be 35 pounds over here and it's 15. I think something's wrong and, and uh, kind of checking that. And I put the equation down at the bottom for distribution uniformity. Obviously, not everybody has uh, maybe done one of these before. So if you need additional help, I, I know I've done some webinars in the past about it and also uh, definitely can reach out and be happy to, to talk about it. But from a visual representation on the left-hand side, you can see that's a, a field map or an irrigation design. And then you can see how we just try to capture variability in all these little uh, rectangles that I put in, which are areas that we took pressures and flows. And then you can just capture that data. And, and again, if you look at something that maybe at the bottom of, of that field or that picture was supposed to be closer to the pump, but it's showing lower pressure, you probably have something going on. And just having a graduated cylinder, take a little uh, measurement, two to three minutes. And uh, as you said, it's 70 degrees and really nice in the orchard right now. It's, it's a heck of a time to get out and go do it. Corey, on the slide prior to that one, Sorry, I've messed you up here oh, now, but oh, you had yeah. something that looked like a lamp, right? But I don't think it, right? So it looks like a lamp kind of in the photo. What is oh. that up there in the top left? Oh, that's actually just um, uh, just cups, plastic cups. Uh, ordered them online, just collection cups. So they're, they're kind of wide mouth and, and, and easy to do. And then uh, obviously you just stack them together to transport them around. But uh, yeah, you basically have a pressure gauge in the top right. Uh, that's adaptable with all the fittings you can see in the two rows on the very bottom of the photo so that uh, I can connect a drip tape, drip line of various sizes, tubing of various sizes, as you referred to, it's important to be able to do that. Uh, some, some hose cutters, um, graduated cylinders, and then a collection cup. Well, the collection cup, you run the water in there from the dripper and then pour it into the beaker, and that's how you measure if, you're, uh, uh, if your distribution is uniform. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, thank you. Now, it just kind of looked like a lamp there at first glance. <laughs> yep. So irrigation system flush. This is from uh, one of the customers I serviced from a water management perspective. I, I took this video last summer and this system had been flushed maybe three weeks before. And so um, you can see that pretty quickly, depending on your water source and scenarios, it can, it can build up pretty good. Uh, so uh, as you go through and you take these pressure and flow measurements that we were talking about, you may notice that you need to flush an area. So again, if you see this excessive buildup, uh, maybe inside the pipe, and now it's kind of rearing its head as lower pressure in that area of the irrigation system, uh, or there's uneven loss, it gives you an idea of where to start. And again, as you can see in this photo, it, it was a little bit overdue, despite it just being three weeks prior. Uh, even if the system's operating normally, meaning you're not seeing any of those weird things, um, you should still start the season with a, a fresh irrigation flush. Uh, we, again, I've referred to this like a road trip. If you're going to go drive to New York and back, it's probably not a bad idea to change the fluids in your vehicle, uh, even if it's maybe not necessarily due. And then uh, remember, uh, flushing velocities are super important. We have an app on our website with our Jane uh, run a length calculator. It's publicly available. If you need help operating it or using it, please reach out. But it is very user friendly. 
Uh, you want to keep uh, one and a half to two feet per second flushing velocity in order to help uh, a move the debris in a reasonable time frame, but also pick up some of the heavier debris that settles out earlier in your system. Jorge, you're, um, you did a webinar with us before on flushing systems. It's one of our most popular webinars. In fact, there's a professor from Cal Poly uh, who teaches irrigation there that says, Corey's flushing is, uh, is what a great webinar it is. Now, what do you think the number one mistake people make when they're flushing their systems? It, I used to believe that it was not doing it enough. Today, I believe that it's well-intentioned, but it's not executed properly. I believe that um, folks go out and they say, yeah, I have an issue and I, I'm trying to fix it. And they flush, but they don't have that right velocity or they're not doing it for long enough with the right velocity or, you know, all these, these few factors kind of play into it and, and it creates an issue. I would also say that uh, some of the irrigation systems don't lend themselves to, to ease of flushing or uh, even maybe have the right uh, availability of that velocity because the design didn't incorporate that. So as, as grow, for growers, I always say, make sure that this is a, a topic of discussion with your irrigation dealer, especially if you're in, uh, I'll say a water challenged area from a quality standpoint, to make sure that you can evacuate these materials and that you're getting a good irrigation design so that it's easy to do. Uh, this particular field here that uh, I helped with the water management side, it, we could basically go through, we can flush this field uh, in quarters or in halves with the way that it's designed. And um, it's, it's very, very effective when we do flush it. Yeah, thanks. That's what I, you know, that's what I got out of it too when I thought about if I have a quarter mile run of drip line, how long does it actually take for the water to flow through there? Uh, you know, of course, you know, half inch, three quarter, it all matters. But when I started to think about that, I thought you really have to flush for a while, right? The length of time of the flush is really key. Absolutely. And like I said, it's uh, if you're already sending labor out there to, to tackle this, uh, yeah, it may take a little bit longer to flush it right, but versus, you know, doing it, doing it the wrong way, it, it, I think it pays for itself. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. And so you can see uh, some, some drippers that, that need some flushing, needed some flushing. And the left-hand side is actually significantly better than the right-hand side. Uh, they're actually different fields. It's a competitor's product. And uh, they were they were actually the one on the left hand side. They called us because they have our uh, Jane Logic probes out there, and they're saying the probe isn't reading. The probe isn't reading, and we're like, no, it's it's reading. It's working fine. They're like, no, I'm irrigating. It's not changing. Well, the drippers around the the probe were plugged, and there were certainly more that looked like this than maybe not. So uh, something that needed to be fixed. And the picture on the right hand side, somebody called me uh, about the end of July last year, right before almond harvest. And this is what was inside the irrigation system. And they, they had a, a lot of trouble on their hands and they, they were flushing and I felt like they were flushing well, they just weren't doing it enough. And so uh, became, became an issue. So it's actually kind of a perfect segue into maintenance schedules. So you can go out and you can go do the right thing, Richard, and, and have all, all the figures uh, uh, mapped out and ready to go. But if we don't keep on schedule and we don't stay ahead, this is what we get. Uh, the picture on the left-hand side is something that I dealt with last year where uh, this irrigation system had actually not been flushed in three years. 
um, which um, still to this day is, is, is crazy to think about. And I'm glad that it lasted, I say lasted as long as it did in the sense that it actually performed very well up until it finally just couldn't take it anymore and has actually been remediated uh, through physical flushing and, and chemical treatment is actually performing well again. Uh, but you can see the buildup. These are actually our emitters, but uh, if you cover them in, in you know, what looks like peanut butter, but I promise you isn't, uh, you're certainly going to have an issue. And so we've talked about budgeting for this water use and getting all these pieces together, building this inventory, and then actually spending the time to fix it. Let's not let all that hard work go to the back burner because we do get busy farming and we do get busy irrigating, which I, I completely understand and can relate to. We have to have this maintenance schedule built. Uh, from a filter service standpoint, again, most folks usually take care of it once a year, maybe twice. Um, as much as you're willing to do it, uh, please do it. Um, but, it, but at a minimum, a minimum, I want to stress that that's what I would expect from a, uh, our point uh, as a manufacturer. Tubing, emitter line, and tape flushing, as we just talked about, there's a little bit of a range there. Uh, it could be bi-weekly to bi-monthly. I have customers that, that fit both ends of the spectrum. And if you have something that's, that you're having to flush weekly, I, I think that it's worth looking at why or, or water quality or, or something else that you can maybe invest in to, to stop that. I do know one grower that they have uh, our Cascade drip tape and they farm a, a lot of processing tomatoes. And they've decided that every two weeks, no matter what field it is, no matter whether it's well water or district water, they keep on a two week flushing schedule because they found that if they do that, they don't have any problems. They don't risk uh, crop yields or anything like that. So it's, it's super valuable to have a plan. And then chemigation, that kind of comes in, whether it's continuous weekly or monthly. Some folks do continuous for uh, small, I say small water treatment problems, uh, pH adjustments, so on and so forth. Uh, some folks do some, some weekly uh, clean outs, if you will. And then uh, other folks maybe do like a monthly type shock scenario where they you know, put in large amounts of material, break it down, and then go through that physical flushing that we talked about to evacuate all that debris. And uh, uh, here, I think about the, the, the filter flushing, right? Such a, um, uh, such a big change uh, with not much time invested. It, absolutely. I mean, and on the right hand side of this photo is uh, on top of a sand media tank, I pulled out uh, this is something I worked on last year where you have actually what's coming out of the well on the right hand side. And then you have on the left hand side is actually your media. And so due to a poor performing backflush scenario and in poor performing settings, basically mud was just building up inside your media. And uh, the problem now becomes is as you continue to, to put this inside your media bed, it becomes a harder and harder to flush out. But B, this type of material has a similar specific gravity to your actual media. So the only way to remove it with the correct velocity, you're, you're going to end up taking most of your media with it too. So the discussion with the grower was, we're actually going to have our service providers come out and we're going to completely empty these tanks and put fresh media in just two years into the cycle of it. So, and it looks hot that day too. Oh, it's, it's always hot, <laughs> but certainly. And uh, on the left-hand side, you could probably see what I call the nest quick uh, coming out of the end of the line there. And, and as you can see, we actually have pretty good pr uh, pressure, but uh, this system had also not been flushed in several years. And, and the system was actually performing fairly well, but nonetheless, uh, you, can, you can push these systems and no matter uh, how good our products are, you can push them to the breaking point. 
That's a fascinating photo, right? It looks like uh, brown clouds coming out of the tubing. Absolutely. And uh, so now we've done all this and we're gonna operate our system and, and it's up to par, um, but now it's not perfect ir irrigation scheduling, but it's perfecting our irrigation scheduling. And so um, having an efficient car doesn't matter if you drive it with the parking brake on. I think you probably heard me say that before, Richard. It's uh, one of the ways that I you know, help kind of relate these things to, to irrigation systems. We can go out and we can spend a lot of money on a really great irrigation system and then just really kind of drive it poorly. And all of a sudden, all that investment that we made is no longer realized. And I, I just threw up a, a bunch of acronyms up here, uh, you know, ETC, ETO, KC, uh, ETA, DVI, all these different things. These are all the things that they mean a lot to me uh, as, as I have plenty of acronyms in my title, but um, what we do at Jane is with our Jane Logic software, we take all of this information. And this is just some of the information that we're, that we're taking, consuming, and then using, and we're turning it into an expert recommendation for really that total control of your irrigation system. Again, I use it as a water services manager for customers where I'm not even in their field, but I'm writing consistent recommendations. And that's kind of the, the last part of this, which is our water management services program, if you're not ready to uh, use JaneLogic on your own, you can partner with us where we will install this technology and we as uh, certified professionals will help make recommendations for you, expert recommendations that allow you to feel very comfortable with the data that you're getting and then also the recommendations that you're gonna be implementing uh, into your farm and into your irrigation practices. Things here, Corey. One, I'm looking at all those acronyms. And I'm just thankful you're not in charge of Wordle. <laughs> um, and number two, um, I love the water management services from a coaching standpoint, right? I don't have to buy the equipment. Somebody comes out and installs it for me and then helps me learn how to use all the technology. And um, it's not very expensive and there's a money back guarantee. So uh, I... <laughs> I just love that uh, option for growers. No, it, it's been great. It's been a, a ton of fun to be a part of and really see our team grow where we've doubled our acres in, in under a year. We've uh, won the 2021 new product contest for the Irrigation Association. Uh, just super proud of the team and, and really the knowledge that we have from certified crop advisors all the way down through uh, a number of, of backgrounds and experiences and feel like we are uh, the best equipped company to help growers with these types of recommendations and really find a way to save water. A lot of folks say that they can save water. We can literally quantify, we can literally show you how much water we're saving and, and how we're doing it. Yeah. You can answer that question, prove it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, some of the, the simple interfaces uh, that, that come out of all those acronyms, by the way, just so nobody has to be scared of it. <laughs> um, it comes out looking like this, where it, it pulls all of that information. And then it says on this block, I need you to run this many hours. And here's how many you have scheduled and here's how many you've ran. So um, you know, it, it's, it's very, very user-friendly. Yeah, that sure is. That's, uh, that, that's easy to follow. Absolutely. So. With that, I, I think it wraps up the, the seven points I wanted to get and uh, was trying to be quick so that hopefully, again, I could give people time to go go get this done on a Friday afternoon. But uh, even then, maybe it can wait till Monday.
Corey, thank you so much. This was really helpful. Uh, and I certainly picked up a few tips that uh, I haven't used before. And so uh, I really appreciate you coming on, taking the time to put this together and educate all of us on this. Uh, I also want to say thank you to uh, all of our uh, viewers. Um, as always, you can find all of Corey's other trainings at janesusa.com forward slash trainings or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can just search Corey Broad there and you will find uh, some podcasts too. So Corey, thanks very much. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we'll see you guys back here next week where we'll keep on uh, working hard to uh, uh, elevate everybody's uh, awareness of water conservation. So thank you. Thank you, everyone.